0: Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle, and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we're going to help you on your journey to live a life free of clutter.
1: Hi, and welcome to part two of our raising uncluttered kids episode.
0: So, if you're if we're giving less, or we're getting less, or we're keeping less, um, you know, and we'll get how to declutter in a minute. But what? What are the ones that we should keep? What do you think, Beck? with your, if you had, because, you know, my kids kept a lot, we kind of churned through lots. But if you didn't have as much, and I'm guessing you didn't churn as much, what were the good mm. ones? What were the ones worth keeping?
1: Uh, Lego, uh, wooden train just, just for the
0: sheer value of stepping on it.
1: Yeah, pretty, at absolutely. Night. Yeah. That one, that one yeah. block. And the 45-minute yeah. fights over who's packing it up. Um, that was always fun. <laughs> But and then the trying to find all of the, the little minifigures amongst all of the rest of the stuff, because he only wanted the minifigures that day, so that was always fun. But Lego, I, I love Lego for its the imagination. Uh, I'm not you can really only buy them in sets these days, but I always encouraged my kids to, you know, make it follow the instructions make it get that satisfaction you know you do that problem solving and, and working out how to make the set but then not to stress out when it gets all smashed up and mixed in with everything else because then you've got all these bits that you can make your own creation out of so we were always the family that had just two big long tubs of lego two shallow ones you know those under bed storage tubs oh big. yes yes we had two of those we've still got them actually Ethan still got them he loves it still loves lego and they, they're long and they're shallow, so they're good for rifling through because you don't have to actually tip them out, which is great because the cleanup is a little bit less. Before I got those, I had a, a higher tub and of course they always got tipped straight out onto the, um, damn yeah, me. floor. Yeah. But that's these my long, world right, right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, get some underbed storage for Lego. Right. Really Note to really self. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, Thanks, listeners,
0: for being here, really. It's just me getting tips from there on how to manage
1: my own Lego uh, storage. uh, Yeah, so so that's a Lego. But anything imaginative I sort of found. uh, My my kids didn't love dress-ups, but other kids get a lot out of dress-ups, and I think dress-ups have some value as far as, you know, that imaginative play goes Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, things that you can make things with. So the old-fashioned Meccano and Blocks. And, and that kind of stuff I would always go to first. And looking back, there probably will still be some toys that I wouldn't have bothered giving my children. If I went back now, I wouldn't bother giving them at all. But um, most of those were just those things where you push buttons and it flashes at you and stuff like that. And there's sort of, you know, they're okay, but there's a lot more to be achieved or gained from a set of you know, those pegs that stack into each other, you know, they were invaluable. I've still got those actually. I've kept them for when babies come around because, please, if anyone has a baby, bring them to my house. I miss having babies. And um, so I've, I've got these, <laughs> I've got these like a little set of baby and she toys. She needs
0: to justify why she's keeping her baby toys. Yeah, exactly. So
1: <laughs> I've got this little stash, I've got um, the kids puzzles of their names that i got and then mm-hmm. i've got this little stack of it's like a wooden board with pegs in it and you can stack the pegs up into a big long tower uh, i can't remember the brand but they're a really good quality one brand and even one of the little pegs went got hit by the lawnmower one day um and flung out just missed the window thankfully uh, and it's still going strong it's just got a little groove in it <laughs> but they're quite tough so yeah those those kind of uh, pegs are awesome um because you know they're you know stacking and sorting and Zoe said her first swear word whilst playing with those. <laughs> you know, like, oh, the oh. memories! Oh, it was so funny. She was sitting on the floor playing with these pegs, and they come in four different colours. And she was grouping them, and she was about, I think she was about eighteen months old. Uh, oh no, Ethan was born, so she was close. She's maybe twenty months old, um, twenty-one months old, and so she wasn't quite two. And she's sitting there, and I, I can't say the actual word because we're, we've, this podcast is clean. But she's looking around and she was grouping them and she had like three, four yellows, four reds, four greens and only three blues. And obviously the other one was behind her or she's sitting on it or something. And she went, oh, for F's sake, where is it? <gasps> and I it was so funny. And I realised that, you know, we we did a road trip recently and um, Nick had said that a few times to because of the screaming children in the back and uh, I realised she'd picked it up. But I was so proud that she'd used it in correct context. <laughs> I was like, yeah, she's so clever. I guess um, you can count that as a win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, developmental milestone. Uh, she never said it again, uh, kind of, because we never said it again in front of her. She kind of left her repertoire, you know, until obviously she was a bit older. But it, it was so funny. Yeah, so she's playing with it. So there's a lot of memories around those pegs. Um, so, yes, I, I have kept those. I think they're the only toy that I've kept from their babyhood.
0: Yeah, we've kept dress-ups that I've kept still. And dress-ups was a good avenue for me to help get over some of my sentimental clutter so some of the items that were my mother's or were mine from uh when I was younger like I had to remember this red ball gown that I bought and it no longer fit me and I had held on to it going oh but I remember I remember and then I thought "Oh, you know what I'll pop this in with the kids dress up so that there's still value my kids would traipse around the house with a pair of my high heels on and we'd have to put the hairband around the back of the ball gown to make it stay up on them <laughs> but rather than getting rid of things to charity there were some bits of my sentimental clothing that I held on to and put in dress up so it still had another life beyond me that I could still be a part of
1: yeah and, that and you can work your way up to onto. parting with it too
0: yeah mm. and then once it got old and tatty and had been worn on the trampoline too many times <laughs> and it started falling apart, then then it was out but um it did prolong its life for a bit uh so, the Sylvanian families, that's, I'm, I still love them. And yeah. my daughters have both gone through them, love them. They come out occasionally, but they will say, oh, okay, we could part with them. And I'm like, no, now we're keeping them for me, <laughs> <laughs> for, my, for my grandchildren. May that be many, many years away. Oh, you're
1: doing um, the my grandchildren also, thing. No. Yeah.
0: But we have, we have friends with young girls as well and it's always, they know where they're kept and it's always the first mm. box that comes out. And yeah. so there's some toys that just, I think, you know, that last forever, like the wooden train set and they're Mm -hmm. kind of timeless. And even in in this age of screens, kids still love a good wooden train set.
1: Oh, I think especially in this age of screens, they need to have these kinds of things um, to sort of, you know, give them a break from that bombardment that their poor brain is receiving. So much stimulation. There's two reasons why you keep toys as well. Like you said, there's sometimes that as an adult, you keep them for yourself and then other times you will keep them for, for the child themselves. But I'm always sort of hesitant to recommend keeping too many things. And so kind of like what we talked about in sentimental clutter episode is if you have some limits and some boundaries. So if you say, I'm going to keep, you know, one small tub of baby toys for me in the future for grandchildren and or for kids to play with, then, you know, you've set a nice boundary and you're not going to end up getting a bit out of control and having your entire garage or the tops of your wardrobe all full of things for, you know, those particular circumstances. Keep mm-hmm. it small and you still get those emotional needs met or those practical needs met, like you said, with the, the, the young kids coming to visit, but you don't end up having so much stuff that you actually have to do anything to maintain it.
0: Mm-hmm. So... We've worked out what to keep and why. Now, what do we do with the rest? Beck? How we <laughs> how, how are we decluttering the rest? Because that's uh, where everyone's probably been sitting there going, right? Come on, yeah, ladies,
1: stop talking. Now you're give
0: it. me the answers. Stop talking about peaches and cream, Barbie, and tell me how I get rid of <laughs> my kids'
1: toys. All right. So the first point I want to make is that I always recommend doing it with your children, not for them. When they're under two, you could probably do that. But once they're over two and they start to have favourite things and attachments to things and memories associated with things, then it's a really good idea to involve them in the whole process. Decluttering is not something that you, it's not a skill you're born with, it's something you have to learn. And the ability to let go, the ability to prioritise what stays and what goes, and the ability to rationally evaluate all of your belongings and curate them is a skill that needs to be taught. And so I really advocate that parents from an early age start that process with them. You've said before, Tara, that, you know, decluttering is like a, a muscle and you need to build that muscle up. And it's so true for kids as well. They need to build up their decluttering muscle so that they can learn all of those those skills around prioritizing and and curating and letting go so that they can have a positive and helpful functional relationship with belongings as they grow up
0: yeah i think that's spot on and i think that as adults as we build our decluttering muscle they we need to do it when they're around they need to see us part with mm. something that no longer serves us and see that we're okay about it or that we might feel like, Oh, you know, there's some great memories attached to this, but I don't need it anymore. That needs to happen when they're in the space and see that we're doing it too, that it's not something that happens to them, that it's something that they're a part of, but also that like we talked about before with modeling, they need to see that it's something that they will go through again and again. And as Mm -hmm. adults, we go through again and again. And it's, it's, It's a skill to learn.
1: Yeah. And yeah, totally. So that's why I always advocate doing it with with kids so that they can do all of this learning and they can learn, you know, what it's like to be sad, letting go of something and then have that sadness change and go away. And unless they've actually experienced the sadness and then experienced the sadness going away, then they're never going to know that it goes away. And every time they try to make a decision to let go of something, all they're going to think of is the sadness they're not actually going to trust then that that sadness will leave because they've never experienced the sadness leaving and so it's a really you know important lesson and and it's also important for us to model that yes we've let go of something and we've talked about it and we've said that we're sad and then a few days later we've said that we feel better and so they can see that happening right in front of them live
0: yeah and so with us i found it hard initially with my kids to just go oh you know it's sunday afternoon let's declutter so we (laughs) We set some kind of times around things. So the general rule for as long as our kids could think back has been you always give before you get. So before birthdays and before Christmases, since they were probably about two, they are given a bag or a box or something. And I'll say, right, so, you know, your birthday's in two weeks, but in the next two weeks as you move about your room and you play with your toys, have a think about the stuff that you don't play with anymore Cause you're going to get a whole lot of new stuff coming into this space and we need room to put it, but also you're going to be busy playing with new stuff. So maybe some of the old things could go to someone else who, you know, is less fortunate. Obviously you can have those conversations as they're age appropriate, but initially it was all just about, we, I would keep it simple to say, we need to make space. Mm -hmm. So we always give before we get, and you know, when they were young, I'd say, look, if you could find three things, even though they might get 23 for their birthday, if you can give something away before you get more in, let's start with that. And sometimes they'd come up with three plastic necklaces. And I'd be like, seriously, that's <laughs> going to make an inch of room and you're about to get, you know, some new monster toy. But it was like, re- I still had to reward that behavior and say, well done, you know, yeah. like I know that worn these and that these were special to you and but there's some other child that would love to play with these and now you've got more space in your room for new toys and it's like really seriously (laughs) the best we can do but there's that whole thing around rewarding the effort not really rewarding the outcome and then you know same comes before Christmas I wouldn't do it the day before give them a bit of time to mull over things and then you know you can drop a few suggestions if you go oh you know that that plastic dinosaur in the corner has been looking at you for a while and, and probably hasn't had a play, maybe that's something you could consider popping in your box to give away before you get and, you know, plant the seed and walk out. Mm. And if it happens, it happens. So that's something that we've always done and we still so my girls are ten and eight now and they still have to give before they get and I'm like, I just kinda want them to keep doing that forever.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a really good skill. We don't do it as formally as that. I don't have that catchy name for it like you do. But I do often We will say to them, you know, look, it's coming up to Christmas, it's coming up to your birthday, you know, time to have a look at what's going on. But we we tend to declutter. I'm a very much an ad hoc person. So I'm not into routines and schedules and stuff like that. It just doesn't work for me. i completely forget about them and um, I work much better when I've got a trigger of some kind. So for me, a trigger is if I walk into one of the kids' rooms and there's stuff spread all over the floor and then I ask them to tidy up and then they shove it somewhere rather than put it in its home and that sort of gives me an idea that there isn't quite enough space left in their storage and then it's time to declutter. So my trigger is often when I just look at it and go, this is too messy, I've had enough, it's time to declutter. And I think my kids are actually it's interesting because they have picked up the same they've picked up on that like I haven't actually said to them you know I've been triggered by the mess and now you have to tidy up it's more like I've just gone and gone all right I reckon it's time we needed to do a declutter coming this coming school holidays we'll spend a couple of days in your room and we'll you know get it all get it all sorted out and they 've kind of started to do that themselves, and you know now my kids are fourteen and fifteen now, and they 're pretty independent when it comes to decluttering and, and Just last week I, I walked out into near the front door, and there 's three big bags of stuff and I said to Zoe "Oh did you is this stuff for donation?" she said, yep yeah, i've just did a declutter of my wardrobe." And so they've started to actually do it themselves and their trigger as well. I said to her, why did you do that? And she said, oh, because there's so much stuff in there I don't use and it was getting in my way. So it looks like their triggers have become, my trigger has become their trigger as well uh, unconsciously, which is, you know, I find quite interesting. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And the same, you know, Ethan recently filled a few bags of clothes as well Um, and um, they're kind of just doing it by themselves and occasionally We've got this spot by our front door where I've got this vintage telephone table. You know, the you know when we used to have telephones on cords and Mm -hmm. you have to sit there and stay on the phone? I've got one of those. And that is our spot to put donations. And when that sort of gets a few things in, I stick them in the car and I take them off. And so the kids know, you know, and so occasionally I'll just walk out and there'll be a stack of books there or there'll be a few toys or there'll be a bag of clothes or something like that. And so everyone kind of, you know, has gotten to this habit of just you know, if something's in my way, if something's bothering me or I just don't use it anymore, it, that's where it goes. And occasionally, like, I rifled through Zoe's clothes and I rescued a hat that I wanted. <laughs> I was like, hey, I could use this. Oh, well, that's good. Good to see you got
0: a cap out of it. Mm-hmm. One thing back. back one, Zoe 300. Is that yeah. how the score is? <laughs> yeah, I think so. So another thing which is, well, was a big Issue in our house, and I think is for lots of people with kids, is artwork. And these kids, man, they can produce things like nobody's business day, you know, the days they come home from Kindy and it's like, here's my seven pieces of artwork today and a pasta necklace for you, mum. And it's like, mm-hmm.
1: oh,
0: great. And then I'm back to Kindy tomorrow for more. Yay. And I, I started just putting stuff in boxes. And then I'm like, this is crazy. Uh, we, You know, we're going to max out all the storage in the house before they hit primary school. And this, I've only got two kids. This is not cool. <laughs> so we, I got to a point I was, I didn't have a system initially, but I had to work out a way to manage it because it was starting to drive me crazy. So I'm quite methodical in the way I do things. And that just works for me. And whether my kids like it or not, they kind of just have to fall into line. So the way I set up this system, where they got one half of the fridge each. Now I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of kids artwork on fridges, but yeah, while they were at that age, that's what worked for us. So I was like, Sienna, this is your side. Whatever artwork you do that you think needs displaying, you put it up here, Maddie, this is your side. Here are your magnets. Go for it. But it's up there for a week. And at the end of the week, those pieces come down and then you start again. And so then what we did is we got, we went through all the artwork we already had and I got the kids to sort out what they wanted to keep and what they wanted to throw. And then I said, right, this is your big, they've got big, like a big tub each. This is your box for artwork. It doesn't grow any bigger than this box. If it doesn't fit in this box, it doesn't, you know, we don't keep it. So they would bring home a painting, It would go on the fridge for a week. Then it would come off at the end of the week. And I'll go, right, what are you going to do with it now? And instead of me making the decision about the artwork, I would give it back to them and go, right, you guys need to make a call. Both of my kids have got pin boards in their room where they've got, you know, a couple of photos with friends, or if Mm -hmm. they've got a certificate from something at school that they might want to pin up. And so if they're really still loving the artwork, they might pin up on their pin board. But quite often by the end of the week, they're like, yeah, it's all right. You know, this time, between creating and discarding a little bit of time there. Like if you ask them to throw out on the first day, there's no way they do that. But you put a week between the creation and the decision. And a lot of the time they'll be mm. like, Yeah, okay, whatever. I'm not attached to that anymore because I've made three hundred other items since I created that one. Oh God, so, I wish
1: Ethan would do that. He'd be attached to so, like 27 years, <laughs> not so twenty seven years.
0: So I would <laughs> I would say if they wanted to put it on their pinboard, they would do that. Or if they wanted to keep it, they could, but the deal was once the box is full, then you've got to work out how to manage it. So if that means you take out something else to fit this one in, then that's your call. But for me, it took all of the guilt away because I was—I felt quite guilty throwing out my kids' artwork. Mm. And sometimes I'd do it stealthily in the middle of the night when no one would see, and then bury it at the bottom of the recycling bin so that if the kids put something in, they wouldn't—you know. And I was like, "This is crazy," you know. I'm sneaking around my house, this <laughs> covert operation to, you know, destroy kids' finger paintings. And then I was like, "You know what? I'm going to let them have the decision because one day when they leave this mm. house, they'll have to—they yeah. they can take that box." And so the only kind of caveat to that, I guess, is the things that they have made for me, then that mm-hmm. becomes my decision. So yeah, I hold on to Mother's Day cards and Christmas cards and some of the lovely little notes. But I've got my limit. I've got my box for my special things from the kids. And then because they've given them to me, I say, well, it's my choice if I, I keep them or not. But once they've given them to me and I put them in my box, then – that, you know, they never look at them again. They're, they're mm. for me. So if I choose down the track to get rid of some of those things, there's no there's no guilt. They've seen them go in. Whether
1: you they know have, that You didn't have a, a very cluey child that cottoned on to the idea that if they gave it to you, they wouldn't have to figure out what to do with it themselves because <laughs> that's what I can imagine my son doing like, hmm, if she said she has to have responsibility for the ones that I give to her, I'm just going to make this artwork for her and then she can deal with it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I yeah, I guess. My, I mean, my kids sort like I would always say to them, "Oh, well, it's it's my gift. You've given it to me, so I might keep it for a while. But but mm. now I'm going to make room for the next gift because I'm sure there's it's something coming. else that's
1: coming. Yeah, new... it doesn't stop for a long time.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. I kind of I, I wanted to plant the seed of when you give something to someone it's theirs to do with what they like yeah. and also put that responsibility back on them so i am not going to carry guilt for the next 40 years about throwing out your artwork you make it you display it you choose what to keep and what goes yeah. and now they're really good it's like a well-oiled machine in fact yeah the the fridge is painting free now they'll either put things on their pin boards in their rooms yeah. or some the occasional got- if they're really proud of something it'll go in the fridge still but yeah. um, a lot of
1: our system's a bit different and what I've, I've got one child who is artistic and creative and sentimental and nostalgic and he does get attached to things a lot more than, than what the other does. And that's, that's okay and I can understand that and um, we, we sort of got a role with that. But the system is the same for both of them. It's just that I think Ethan just struggled with it a lot more because of his attachment and he did get much better at it but when he was little he used to really really struggle to let go and so you know we would do the same as you we would have all of the artwork and some of it would go on the fridge or on a spot on the wall and then I had rather than a box I had an, an artist's folio I did have a box for the little made like the the 3D stuff a little mm-hmm. tub for that but most of the artwork wasn't 3D and so we just put I had an artist's folio for each of the kids which just is a 2 sized sleeve i guess polypropylene sleeve that i could you know shove out working too and um, I had one each for them. And so all of their artwork would go into those folios and then periodically, and again, like I said, I don't do it overly, don't do much routinely, but it would be most school holidays or when it got fat. We would go through that and I would photograph the artwork. They would choose a few pieces to go into a display book, an A3 display book that I bought for each of them. So they'd have like one or two a year or three a year would go into that. Then the rest would go in the recycling after being photographed. And even though they were being photographed, Ethan would howl the whole way through the process when he was little, when I was four, three or four, and you know it really did hurt him to to do that. And he would want to look at the photos on the computer straight after and all of that, and that was cool. We did we went through that process, and he would always, you know, when I said pick out three out of this pile, pick out three, and he would pick out twenty three. So then I'd go, oh, that's cool. Can we can we get that down to ten? And then he'd get it down to eighteen. I'd go, oh, that's great. Can we get it down to 12 and you would get it down to 15 and be like okay I'm happy there <laughs> we'll stop there <laughs> he would be you know very tearful throughout that and he would get upset and he wouldn't like me watching he wouldn't like watching it go in the in the recycling or anything like that but over the years after about three or four years of that that routine he was able to let go without distress and he learned that he could rely on looking at the photographs if he needed to he also learned that he actually didn't think about that artwork again within hours of it leaving and it was only through going through that process that he started to build up that knowledge of well hey I might be upset now but I'm not going to be upset later so there's no point in getting really upset now by the time he was eight he was saying you know are they being photographed mum and I'd be like yep and you go okay cool I've picked these three out they're in my folio The rest can go. And so, you know, he'd be much more, he was much more matter-of-fact about it. And um, he's got more display books than Zoe has because she is much more of a chucker and she's quite happy to say, oh no, oh no, I don't like that, don't like that, don't like that, I can go. She has a lot less attachment to her artwork and Ethan has a little bit more. So he has more folios than she does and that's just catering to their individual personalities and the process has always been pretty much the same.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good and I think giving them a way to control what's happening to some extent is really... Oh, no. I think we did some of the times when we hit hurdles and the kids would be like, I've got this huge piece of butcher's paper I want to, with this painting on and I don't know what to do with it. It's too big for my pinboard. I um, be like, why don't we use that to wrap your cousin's birthday present in? Or, you know, we used to cut out some of the pictures they drew and stick them on cardboard and turn them into cards for Nana or, you know, that kind of thing. So, that their artwork was, you know, had a second life. And so I think you can get creative. And there's some amazing places now, and if I can find a couple, I'll pop some links in our show notes, but where you can package up all your kids' artwork, send mm. it away, and a place will scan them all, photograph yeah. them all, and, you know, turn them into coffee table books and things like that. And then they'll send them back to you. They keep all the stuff and uh, dispose of it. So kind of you say goodbye when you send it off in the post. But you get back a lovely coffee table book of all your kids' artwork. And that's a much nicer, cleaner way, I think, to keep some of it than some of the storage tubs like in our house. But that idea might not work for for everyone. But I think it's a a really good thing.
1: Yeah, there's quite a lot of those companies doing that now. So there's a, a few options for people.
0: I've been to a couple of jobs where kids keep rocks, shells, sticks. You know, some kids aren't just cluttered by toys. They keep the other random objects. And so one of the families that I was working with, and I was working with a five-year-old girl, and she was into shells and rocks, and they were starting to take over the house. There were piles in every other room. But she was really attached to them, and I said to her, Mum, we need to work out a way to help we, you know, we don't want to just throw these out or, or put them all outside and have her feel like we're taking things from her. But we need a way to do this properly so that it, you know, we can keep some limits mm-hmm. around it. So we ended up, um, planting her, her own little garden and it was like a little fairy garden and then we said right all these rocks and shells you know they can be used in your fairy garden to decorate that so you can still collect them but the place for them is out in the garden or it was, you know near the veggie patch so she could play in there while her mum was doing the veggies and so it meant that she could keep these things so sometimes I think you just need to reframe how they keep their things and where they keep them so that you know it, it doesn't encroach on, on other spaces in the house.
1: Yeah, and they learn boundaries um, and they learn respect for other people's spaces and, and things like that. So, yeah, there are lots of little ways to do things like that.
0: And I guess um, setting zones as well. You know, if your, ki- your kids are really into craft, uh, you know, get them to go through their pens and their paintbrushes and stuff regularly and discard the stuff that is, mm. you know, used or worn or whatever, but also let them know, like you said, the boundaries and the limits. This is your crafting area. If your craft stuff goes outside of this zone, then it's becoming an issue. Um, And I will sit down with you and we'll do it together and we need Mm. to go through what's worth keeping and what's worth not. And then let everyone know not to buy you any more crafting stuff until you've you've used a bit of the stuff that you've already got. So just those general limits.
1: Yeah. And the actual decluttering process itself, it's the same process as you would apply to any other part of your house where you look at, a small section at a time, you make some decisions and then you rehome and de-own all of the things that, you know, don't belong in that space anymore or in that zone. So like in the toy zone, in the Lego zone or or whatever. And you slowly go through each of those spaces with your child, um, teaching them the process and then donating. Some people do like to sell toys And you can gain some money back on some of the valuable toys or the toys that are in demand like, you know, things like vintage Barbie doll because there's always a sucker like me out there who wants to relive their use. Or Lego, which retains a lot of its value. But one of the things when deciding whether to sell or donate is to think about the amount of time that you have to invest in the actual selling and whether or not it's worth it. So selling is totally okay uh, as long as it doesn't, Provide a bit of a roadblock to getting the decluttering actually finished.
0: Yeah, and we we set up at one point, we did a big school holiday declutter of the kids' bedrooms and toy room and we set up the Tiny Tuttle's free shop and (laughs) what we did, I said to the kids at that stage they were both saving for something, I can't remember what it was, but money was definitely their currency of the day and they wanted cash to put towards whatever it was. And so I said, look, I'll pay you $10 each if you girls can find enough of your old things to fill the dining room table and then what we're going to do is have our we had quite a few friends with younger kids come over and they can check out our free shop and so if any of their their girls wanted you know there was some barbie furniture i think there was a barbie car there there was some baby clothes and bits and pe- a baby bath a stroller that kind of stuff if any of them don't have them and would like them they can come and shop at our house for nothing so my girls still got the money my friends came over and I'm like I'm not I'm not just handing all my clutter to you come along mm-hmm. and you can shop at our table and whatever doesn't get taken we will take to charity and I th- it really helped my kids in one sense knowing who might get their stuff knowing it was going to friends because it's one thing to take it off and Give it to charity and they never see it again. But I think them knowing that, you know, the baby bath was going to our friend's daughter and that she knew where it was, she was much Mm. happier to part with it. So that's another kind of strategy we used at some point to declutter some of our stuff. Yeah,
1: that's a good idea. This is turning into a really long episode, Tara. We're going to have to split this up and do more kids' episodes, I think. Shall we talk a little bit about acquiring?
0: Yeah, I think that sounds good. So, I would say the first step in managing acquiring stuff um, is just to stop bringing it in. Whether your clutter levels are mild or moderate or severe, you just need to stop the things at the front door. The gift thing, we would like we said we're going to cover that when we talk about Christmas. But if you're if one of your weaknesses is you know McDonald's and every time you come home with two plastic happy meal choice, stop going to McDonald's. <laughs> go, go somewhere else instead yeah, where you'll Or
1: just don't get happy in. meals at McDonald's yeah. Something else instead. Yeah.
0: You know, start putting some barriers into this, you know, in the way of things making their way into your house. You know, if your kids always want the beanie boo doll that hangs at the checkout, then don't take them to the shops or avoid taking them to that aisle. You know, go to a different aisle. You yeah. know, try and start
1: yeah. you know Or just putting- say no. Like teaching them no as well I was at the supermarket once with Zoe she was a toddler and she was sitting up in the trolley and she wanted to get down she got bored while I was unpacking the trolley and so I let her down and she sort of was playing with the lollies which are just at toddler height at the end of the checkout and she was sort of playing with them and and then she was putting them in order of color or something which I thought was so cute and then I said to her okay we're going now let's go and she she held up one of them like a little pack of mentos or something and she said peas and I said no no we're We're going now. It's time to go. Put that away and we'll go. And so she put it back and I picked her up and I put it back in the trolley. And as we went to walk off, this woman just launched herself at me from behind and grabbed me and she said, oh, how did you do that? (laughs) And I said, I've never said yes. I said, she's a smart girl. So she will ask because she's smart. I said, but she knows I will say no, because I have never once bought her anything in the supermarket ever. I said she might get a little piece of broccoli to chew on around the because I'm just an awful mother um, <laughs> around the the um, the veggie thing or a mushroom or something like that. She won't eat mushrooms now, but she will not get lollies. She will not get anything she asks for. And you know because what I'm doing is setting her expectations. And if it's too late for you and you haven't got them right at the young toddler age, you can still start doing that now. Start setting their expectations. Start saying to them, when we go shopping, I'm not buying you anything, so don't ask me. Just don't even ask. And if you do ask, I'm not going to answer you. I'm just going to look at you with my eyes that say, we've had this discussion. Sweet little thing. And stop asking me. And sooner or later, they do stop asking because their expectations are set. You know, you've got this, this general rule. And we have these, we have these unwritten rules in our house about acquiring things. And one of them is, you know, you don't get anything when we're going shopping unless we're specifically going shopping for something and now that they're teenagers we are specifically often going shopping for them so they need new socks or underwear or they need something or other then then it's fine and they get what we need to buy but when they were little you know if you went into somewhere like kmart you know or you went into an op shop they would invariably want something and you would then have to say no because you don't want to spend the money and you don't want to have the stuff in the house um, and if they've if you've said yes before they're going to kick up a real stink because you're, you're their expectation is that you're going to say yes and when things don't go towards expectations then people do get upset and you know understandably so so if you set their expectations and you make this general rule of we don't buy things when we go to the shops except for what is on our list that's all we get then they're not going to ask or if they do ask they're going to ask things like my kids used to ask, which is, "Can this go on my Christmas list or Ooh, I want that for my birthday? Can you write that down on my birthday list?" And so that rule means that there just isn't stuff coming in the house every time you go to the shops and then stuff of course, that you have to then part with later on and create all this work for yourself. We also have another rule about just buying things in general. so like my kids just don't get anything bought for them unless it's Christmas or birthday or unless it's a necessity. So like a bike helmet. They'd just get that bought for them because that's a necessity. Uh, but, you know, the the latest the latest thing that they're all interested in, no, that you can wait for your birthday or, or Christmas for that. Or if you just want something because you saw it or, you know, your friend got it, then that's fine. You can have it if you wait. Or if you spend your own money buying it, saving up and buying it. So that's sort of one of our rules. And it was interesting, you know, as my I think I'm I'm glad that I got in when they were young because I think their attitude towards it now is a lot more positive than what it would be at this age if I were introducing it now that's for sure and we went camping once with friends and uh, glamping with cabins and I went into the friend's cabin to grab a tea towel and I could hear my daughter and her friend talking in the bedroom and her friend was saying do you want to see all my clothes that we bought for this trip and Zoe said yeah sure no worries and so you know she got all the clothes out and was showing her all of the new outfits that she'd received and then she said to to Zoe so do you want to show me yours and Zoe said show you what my what and she said we'll go and look at all the outfits that you bought for this weekend away and Zoe said oh no we only buy things when we need them and I'm in the other room and I'm like yes <laughs> And she wasn't complaining and I was like, yes, you know, I got in early enough <laughs> that it became quite normal and she didn't feel strange for not having gone shopping for just for that weekend away because she already had clothes and it was, it was quite a, a little, what's the word, a little thrill for me um, to hear her say that. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's nice. That's nice kind of indirect feedback that it's working. Yeah,
1: yeah. So what, have you got rules?
0: Uh, yeah, we've got a few rules of toy ownership or stuff ownership in our house. Like we said, the give before you get for around those special days, birthdays and Christmas, no duplicates. So if we have a doctor's kit already, kids saw another one, you know, it was like, no, we have one, we have one and you share and we get the kitchen timer out and you can share it we're not having two doctor's kits. We're not having, you know, two of the same, whatever it was. So no duplicates. We don't have any more toys or stuff than we have places to keep them. So like you said before, with your triggers, when we're getting to a point where we're like, right, let's tidy up now. Let's pop that away. Where does that go? I don't know. It doesn't have a home. Uh, we don't have any room for it. Right. Okay. Then we need to sort this out. Uh, and we, we review what we have pretty regularly. The kids will go through things as part of their weekend chores that they do for pocket money and also, you know, clean out your toy chest or whatever. And they're in the habit now that anything they don't want, they'll put in the donate pile or they'll get rid of stuff that's junk. But they will review their stuff pretty regularly. So nothing mm. nothing sits still for too long in our place.
1: Yeah, so those are really helpful rules, I think, to have and um, to control the amount of stuff that comes in and control the amount of stuff that's in your house and obviously the amount of stuff that you have to maintain and move and tidy up and put away and make space for and, and all of that. So this episode, like we sort of thought at the start, has become quite long and what we're going to do is we're going to do a separate episode on uncluttering our kids' schedules because again, that's another topic that is quite large. So what we might do is do that one again in coming weeks, And if you've got any questions about Uncluttered Kids or if anything that we've talked about today you would like us to go into more detail on, please let us know because we are quite happy to create whole episodes around areas that people felt like they didn't quite get enough information from out of this episode or any specific questions that you've got. Again, we're happy to talk about those as well in an episode, either an episode of its own or episodes of things that we're doing that are similar.
0: So if you've got any comments on what we've talked about today or you might have some clever tips of your own that you could add, ways that you've decluttered your kids or are attempting to raise your kids uncluttered, uh, we would love some feedback on this topic and you can either give us some some questions or some tips and we'll share them with our other listeners on social media or in our, another coming podcast you can contact us at beck and tara at beuncluttered.com.au or via our
1: website so thanks for joining us if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast please leave a review or a rating and tell all of your friends about us if they too would like to be uncluttered If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our personal pages at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.